This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastia. We're going to jump right into topic here in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to encourage you to go to sponsorpastor.org. Sponsorpastor.org. It's a new campaign to help fund our ministry. It's a great way for you or maybe to send it to others to help us to do that. Most of the pastors we serve, uh, we serve people for free. Most of what we do because most pastors can't afford to pay for things but need the help and care. So that's what we're trying to meet. So you can help us care for those pastors by by going in and helping us in that way. Sponsorpastor.org. We'd really appreciate that. And you can check out practicalshepherding.com as well. Last thing I'll tell you you can do is you can go and whether it's iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast, you can go leave a review for us. We read those and check those and, and appreciate the encouraging feedback and any constructive criticism you'd like to give us. Um, but I don't know, Jim, by this point, what, we're 200 episodes in, so... Uh, getting close. Feel yeah. feel free to give your suggestions. I think we pretty much are, we we pretty much are. We, who are, we are two so old stodgy we're, guys. We're curmudgeon-y podcasters now. So, uh, but that's okay. Uh, in fact, we want to uh, we want to tackle another topic today that somebody wrote in through social media asking us to address. And because of the roles and the backgrounds that that Jim and myself both have, we we feel like this is an important conversation to have. And that is, you know, what is the connection between the academy? And the church specifically, how does someone, how does a pastor, or how does maybe an aspiring pastor who's in seminary or Bible college or being trained for ministry somewhere, how do they determine? You know, do I want to really pour into the academy in far as teaching and those kinds of things, and or do do I want to be a pastor and do I want to involved in the, invest in the church? Or really, the heart of the question, Jim, I think was, you know, I'm drawn to both. Mm-hmm. And I want to serve both. I want to serve the academy. I want to serve the local church. That's a great desire to have. I meet mm-hmm. a lot of guys that that feel that that burden. You know, how do I how do I do that? So, uh, and, and by the way, that that's something in one way or another. I want to acknowledge that you and I both have been involved in one way or another of local church ministry, but also training pastors mm-hmm. really all over the world. Both of us have been involved with that kind of work right. for years. So we are coming out of a context where we both share that burden. Of course, you know, uh, w- primarily we, we've been through through our ministries, local church pastors doing many of those things. But yeah, there's we know this is a pull for a lot of people. So this is the conversation we want to have, assuming that hopefully everybody has a burden in some way to certainly serve in the local church. But also, what does it mean in the academy? Is that a seminary? Does that also mean, you know, maybe training pastors halfway around the world where there's a need to go train pastors? And so we want to talk about this mixture uh, and how to maybe sort sort through that. So, Jim, let's first think biblically just about this. How do we think around maybe some texts that would help us understand how God wants us to use our gifts to serve in the church, especially in a pastoral way? Well, I, if I were to set up attention scripturally, Brian, I, I think what you're dealing with are, are, is the reality of what does it look like for somebody to be trained for ministry? And is there an academic and an intellectual and what we might call a seminary aspect of this? So that when you think about a seminary, what is what does somebody get in seminary? And why do they get it? Well, you say, well, they're going to get some instruction in the original languages, Greek, Greek and Hebrew, probably some... Uh, acquaintance with historical theology, church history, systematic systematic theology, theology, and homiletics, and then practical theology or pastoral theology. So those those are, and it's somewhat been determined over a, a course of a period of time 
that these are the general tools that somebody who's going to be in ministry is going to need. And you ask the question, well, why? Well, what, what are some of the, what's the biblical basis? Well, you're going to see that in passages like Titus chapter 1, where there are uh, false teachers that need to be contradicted, whose mouths need to be stopped, that the pastor, in order to be qualified, needs to be instructed in sound words. They need to be able to uh, plow a straight course. They need to be able to work hard. Uh, they need to be a workman, not ashamed, rightly dividing or uh, rightly putting together the word of truth. Yep. Uh, Paul said to, to Titus in Titus chapter 2 that he needs to be able to teach these things, which are both, which is the combination and the context of genuine theology rooted in the gospel and its practical application to life. He needs to be able to speak these things with all authority. And he says, let no one despise you. Let no one look down upon you. And that is, let, let no one dismiss what you say because you've, you've not handled the truth, uh, in part because you've not handled the truth rightly. And that's a particular focus, I think, in that, in that context. You need to be trained. So there, there needs to be a training. And so you have that on the one hand, and then you have the reality on the other, and that is a passage like 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, the things you have seen and heard from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, and say, well, is that in the realm of the academy, or is that in the realm of ecclesiology? Is that in the realm of the church? And that is, what place does a pastor have in committing these things to faithful men, uh, what role what role does the church have in identifying, training, affirming, and sending men to use an outline given by a man named Brian Croft mm-hmm. some years ago? What role does the church have? Mm-hmm. And we live at a time in which these things sadly have have often been divided into two camps, and so you have men self sent to seminary, uh, self evaluated and believing that they've had the training and therefore are ready to be sent out and ready to pastor. And, 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 and not, on, not until they actually pastor do they become vital parts of a church. Mm-hmm. And the first real pastor they have is themselves. Yeah. Yep. Versus what role does the pastor have and what role does the church have? Because when you cons- consider the two, the, the academy is, in a sense, a... a an invention of Christians born of necessity. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that there's not a biblical command to have such an institution. The Christ institution is the church. And there are promises made to the church and about the church. There is a glory of the local church that the academy cannot assign to itself. It cannot take those promises and say that they are ours. Mm-hmm. And so I think the tension is with somebody who says, I'm caught between the two in seeing that the academy has become a way and a very prominent way of serving Christ. And so that so many of the voices that we regard as experts and so many of those who have a prominence in the church and who guide the church are from are not coming primarily out of the church, or they are not viewed in association with the church, they are viewed in association with the academy. Yeah. And so Professor so-and-so, well, he, he's, he, is, he got his degree here, he's got this doctorate, he teaches at this institution, not he's a member at this church, not he's under 
the authority of this church, not that he pastors this church. And so I think for a young man caught and wanting to serve, he sees both. And so this is the question. What do you do when you're caught between the two? I don't know if I just made a muddle of that. No, no, I think you're right. And let's let's go ahead and just kind of get into some specifics on why I think this question is being asked. So in full disclosure, so I... Uh, I, I don't have a seminary degree. I'm in a strange position. I don't have a seminary degree, but but, but you I, teach at a seminary. But I but I teach at a seminary. <laughs> so I lead the church. Do they know that? Yeah, yeah, they do. I think <laughs> okay. it's been long enough. But yeah, yeah, though that was one of the questions I had when they when they approached me, and I and I, re, I recognize I have a unique role there. there. There's not a lot of people like me in that sense. But I lead the church revitalization center at the seminary, and I have an internship connected to it, and that's it's in essence what my my class is. And but but having been there, and obviously a lot of friends, and, and being in that that world, and then pastoring though in Louisville for a long time, and I met a lot of seminary students and Bible college students come through our church and watching that. This is a tension a lot of people feel as they come and enjoy their their theological education that they get. And and I want to also say that you know Dr. Moeller is is always said. To that, you know, we're you're coming here. To, we're theologically training you here in preparation, you know, for your ministry. But Dr. Mueller has always said that stu- every student needs to be involved in a local church, being taught ministry in a local church. Like he's he's always said that. So, but I just want to reiterate that because I believe that's the tension on how the institution that's obviously its own entity now, all especially in the United States, but really all over mm-hmm. the world, right? That that exists. But here's what's happening is that a lot of people think the theological education they get at a Bible college or a seminary is all they need to prepare for ministry. That's the disconnect I'm watching happen and have for years. And people who know me know I've been speaking loudly about this, saying if you want to be trained, you've got to be theologically trained in some way, whether it's at a seminary or a Bible college, or even what what you did, Jim, and going and being trained in 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 a training institution in uh, Those attached to a local church. Attached to a local church, which I, which I love for you to share about your experiences there. But the, you know, there, there's we've got to have theological training and grounding. I did receive that. I just received it in a different way, and but then there's also got to be the the practical training of real ministry, which happens in the the local church. And so what happens is guys go get trained theologically in one institution. They may learn about ministry in a local church, right? Which, and then, but because those two things feel separated, they all of a sudden wonder, which one do I want to serve the most? And I think because the separation exists, just because it's, like you said, it's out of necessity, but that's how it went. And for the last good, probably 100 years, it's been separated in that way. I find a lot of guys almost feel like they have to choose between the two of these once they experience both. Yeah, and I think too, Brian, there's the... Part of what happens is what I've seen. This is this is my observation, and I want to be careful and charitable in this. What I've seen here. So I've been I've, I've lived in Louisville for thirty two years now. The shadow of the seminary looms large over the churches here, Southern yeah. Baptist Seminary. That's even true. if even if you're not a Southern That's Baptist, true. and I'm not a Southern Baptist, the uh, the shadow of the seminary looms looms large, and and it looms larger now in conservative and somewhat reform minded churches because that's the way the seminary has largely right. largely gone. And I, right. I, I I'm not going to get into whether that's still the case or not. People would some are going to debate that. But here's what I saw, and this and this was this has caused me consternation, and I would probably in the past maybe some degree of frustration or 
anger uh and so i'm just being honest and autobiographical about that i'm not i'm i am not yeah. c- uh, condoning my mm. my my response but i'm going to tell you what i saw and then how i responded to it and and how i'm trying maybe more to navigate this and recognizing maybe where my own fault has been in this so but this is what i saw i saw young men particularly young men coming to seminary uh, excited about maybe getting to serve in the church, excited about being a pastor, because I'm, I'm always ask now, and I did, I did early on, because we, starting around 1996, I started getting seminary students. Okay. Uh, at that time, we were the only Reformed church in town. So uh, I realize not everybody listens to this as Reformed, but, you know, we were, we were a, we had it in our name. We are the Reformed Baptist Church still, of Louisville. Still are. Yeah. Still are, yeah. right. Uh, and and uh, so the uh, guys were coming in. So uh, the the revitalizations of the church so, uh, weren't, weren't here yet. Clifton wasn't here yet. Yeah, Third Avenue, yet. Emmanuel had, you know, whatever churches that people look at now as kind of flagship seminary type churches didn't exist then. Yep. So it, it, you know, so we were the only ones putting into practice things like any kind of confessionalism and the, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So again, I would have these conversations. Somebody would come in, you'd meet them and say, "Hey, how you doing?" And and uh, t- you, how did you get here? Well, I'm a student at Southern. Oh, okay. That that began began to become a thing. And at one point, we had maybe a dozen or so guys that were coming uh, regularly. And would would ask the question, you know, what are you hoping to do? Well, I hope to be a pastor. Well, what I would see is that within a period of several months or over a period of a year or two, more and more these guys would say, I'm thinking I want to get my PhD, and I think now I want to teach in a seminary. Teach at a seminary, yeah. yeah. So, so this was my general statement at that time, and I still largely hold to this. I just hold to it more charitably. And I, w- and I simply said, well, like produces like, and that is cats give birth to cats, dogs give birth to dogs, pastors give birth to pastors, and seminary professors make seminary professors. Mm-hmm. Now, I know all every professor would, there would say, no, we're trying to make pastors. Yeah. But the way they've made pastors is through the academy. Mm-hmm. And I think you can't help, but if, if that's your passion... Then, then that is to train men for ministry. Then people are going to who are under you and spend time with you are going to pick up on your passion. And seminary students, and this is just the way that, that it goes. They they live on campus. Many of them do. They spend a lot of time with these pa- these professors, and these professors sometimes invest far more in their lives and their spiritual formation than their church does yeah, and than their point. pastor does. That's a great point. Now, some of that's a time issue. It's like the whole issue of you know sending your kids to government school and and you know they they get you know the forty hours of that information and then parents are there for an hour or two maybe at night and then they have one hour yeah. of Sunday school. You know that that debate that some people have. And and so the spiritual it's on the churches. Yeah. So this is it. This is what we're getting at. So this is where I was rebuked. Okay. So that the spiritual formation of a student is very often tied to the academy, uh-huh. and the people he most admires and the godliest people that he spends time with is not his pastor or his elders. It's his professors. Yeah. Yep. And so he begins to feel this tension. Well, maybe what I want to do is to be like this professor I admire. Do what they do. Uh, yep. You know, and I want to do what they do. Mm-hmm. I see that I see in the Bible the church, and I love my pastor, and I'm drawn to what he 
you know, I, I'm, I'm drawn to ministry, but I now see an avenue of ministry that is more in line with the academy. And I think that for some, it is that that environment and even that and again, I don't mean to be critical. I've been a part of seminary. I've been, I've been to Bible college. There is that bubble, that that wonderful, yeah. hermetically sealed bubble of the academy, where you are around a bunch of people who love to talk about. You love theology. Part of the reason you want to be a pastor is you love theology. You love being around people that talk about theology. They're on the cutting edge of the new things, and everybody's talking about it and cultural. Uh, changes in a way that that ordinary pastor might say, "I don't have a clue what you're talking about." Yeah, yeah that's a good I don't point. even, I don't even, I don't even know the words yeah. that you're talking about. I'm just, you know, and it, you get the idea. Well, he's just a dumb old country bumpkin. But these are the guys that are moving and shaking the kingdom. They're they're the ones with the books and the podcasts and and whatever else. And and you can mistake your admiration for that. Hmm. And the feeling that comes with that, with now a sense of new calling, well, the, that, and that the church is lessened. Now, where I got mad was that, because it was like, Christ didn't die for the seminary. Christ died for the church. Yeah. You know, there are no promises given to the seminary. Yep. And if churches were doing their jobs and pastors were more invested, then maybe seminaries wouldn't even need to exist. And that, and I would even say back then, you don't need to go to seminary. Yeah. That you can learn these things through other means. But what can happen is, and what happened to me sometimes is, I did kind of let the seminary do that some of that work. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, they're in seminary, you know, so they're getting... Yeah. And so... uh, So I I think that you you make a really excellent point, and there's... And I agree with you. I think there's two things that come to mind as I hear you say that. One is just it, it, the impact that a seminary setting has on a student Mm -hmm. when they come. You know, they're coming... Whatever reason, the seminary students come for all kinds of different reasons. Yeah. Is what I've learned, but yeah, there's there's godly men teaching in these. Sem- they invest in students. There's there's an impact that's taking place. But so there there is spiritual formation that happens in Bible colleges and seminaries, and that's part of God's plan, I believe, mm-hmm. to prepare. But the second thing that I thought of as you were talking is, you made an excellent point on why if you go get trained theologically at a seminary or Bible college or wherever in an institution, you have to balance your life with local church involvement. Mm-hmm. And you have to be have a balanced life of your pastors knowing you, then letting them invest in you. You being a part of the local church, just in the fellowship of it, in the community of it, because especially if you're sorting through, you know, whether you want to be a pastor or whether you want to be a seminary professor or college professor, you, you've you've got to have the the balance of both. I think to sort through that to make mm-hmm. that. I think really that's the, kind of the point you're making. Yeah, if you spend ninety percent of your time in a bubble of an institution, more than likely you're going to be just drawn to that. True. I would say the, likewise the other way too. If you spend ninety percent of your time in a local church setting, getting trained for ministry, sitting with pastors and being influenced by them, you're you're probably going to be drawn to that as well. So I think so. The to the original question, Jim is. I feel torn. How do I know? Is God calling me to teach and and tra- in, in an institution, or is he calling me to pastor church? I think the, one of the starting places is, look, you have to invest in both when mm-hmm. you are there to be able to then figure out, sort through your gifts in that way. Where, what are your desires? I mean, 1 Timothy 3 points first to, Paul says, if, to, if you desire the work, it's a noble work. So right. you got to start with the desire. The only way you figure out if you have the desire you you got to be involved enough in a local church to be able to 
have that impact. And yet, I, I tell students this all the time: like you're here to go to seminary. Like, you know, invest. I mean, like, in, invest in your 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 time as a student. You know, take take full advantage of. You know, if you're here and you're your residential student, which is changing a lot now, but if you're a residential student, you get to physically be in the classroom with these. Take it, take advantage of learning from them, letting them invest in them. I think there's got to be a balance of both. I have always advocated to seminary students that that is the ideal way to get the most out of your your time at seminary and your time that that you're here in Louisville. But now, as you've said, you were the first church that even remotely wanted seminary students at that point. One when, <laughs> when doc, at least when the transition was happening right, with Dr. Right. Moeller. Now it's a totally different deal. There, there is absolutely no reason. I'll say this as just for anybody who, who come to my church, who lives Sorry. here in Louisville, and anybody who who is, is a student at the seminary, like there's absolutely no reason why you should not be heavily involved in a local church. Exactly. While and and a local church that that will invest in you while you do your seminary education. But honestly, to answer the question, I think that's the answer. The answer to how do you sort through what God's calling me to. Or maybe I'm called to both. How do I sort through? Do I serve as a lay elder and teach, you know, full time, or you know, do I, do I serve as a local church pastor and and try to be, and mentor seminary students or be involved in the seminary in some way? Uh, I also, Jim, want you to take a minute and share about your experiences at Trinity because you know you didn't go to a you didn't go to a, I mean Southern Seminary is one of the largest seminaries in the world now, right? But you went to a, a training institution, but was tied to one local church. Can you speak about how you got trained? Did you capture that balance of getting good theological training, but also practical understanding of ministry? I think I did, and uh, you know, again, I'm very, very thankful for the training that I received, and I'm thankful for the way in which it was done, and that it was done in a local church, and I was and I was taught by pastors. And again, when I say I was taught by pastors, I'm talking about very highly skilled pastors, and I'm talking about pastors with academic achievements including you know some you know PhDs or those that were you know pursuing those things so it wasn't like uh, you know somebody might say well you know most pastors don't have the skills that we have in regard to you know languages or the systematics or you know whatever uh, I, I was in a situation where I was not getting uh, a uh, a lower class, I don't know what term to use, uh, you know, type of education. It was, I was getting a seminary, a, a, a high level seminary type education, yeah. but it was tied to, it was always tied to, because these men were pastors, it was tied to their life and they were making constant application. And these men weren't just my professors, they were my pastors by and large as well. And so I, I was very, I was very thankful for that, and that certainly colored, you know, my 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 conviction had been, and it still is, in the sufficiency of the local church, really to be able to produce pastors. I, th- I think, you know, whether lay pastors or even full time pastors, that there can be men, you can you can be you can be called and qualified and trained without ever having paid a dollar. Uh, to a to a seminary, yeah, uh, you know, and I think some have dismissed that on the one hand, and I think you know that now again, there. The, I'm not saying you 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 still need to be trained. I mean, you still need to be able to be a, a good sound theologian. Yeah, right. Uh, but there is a there there can be alternate ways of doing you know alternate ways of doing that. And I want to acknowledge too that some of my most meaningful older pastors who became friends, even mentors and teachers of mine in God's kind providence, I met through you, through that circle of influence yeah. from your training. So, because I obviously didn't go where you went, yeah. but I have benefited immensely from 
being being taught by uh, pastors who have the heart of a pastor, but really some brilliant minds yeah. and strong thinkers yeah. Amen. and theologians. Yeah, and I'm very I, blessed. I, but I say I I appreciate. I just I've said this to you before, but it, it just I'm thinking of it again. I mean, I'm just I'm grateful you you allowed me to benefit from those men. I mean, I wouldn't have met those men if it wasn't yeah. for you. And but you got trained by them and benefited so much, you were generous to share it with others. I also want to go to this place. I do think this matters in this conversation, Jim, and that's you and I have both been a part of, for quite a few years now, training pastors Mm -hmm. all kinds of places in the world. I mean, you and I have been to Zambia together. I'm Mm -hmm. in Scotland and England. I've been in Brazil. I've been... And you... We're together helping... uh, We're helping men in China together. Yeah, we are through Zoom. You... Uh, I mean, you just got back from Cuba. Like, right. we, we, you and I have both invested in, in training pastors all over the world. Can, let's let's speak out of that because a lot of times, you know, we we see the the setup of how pastors are trained, how theologians are trained in the academy and the church in America. It's quite different around the rest of the world, wouldn't you say? So, it, how do you, would you speak to that on like where? In other words, this balance of how do you prepare a pastor for both be a sound theologian, but also to train him to be a pastor. How's that happening in places where the amount of resources is just a fraction of what we have in the States? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you want to, I appreciate what you said there, because I think you're trying to do that both. And that is sound theology with a pastor's heart. I mean, that's what we're trying to combine. So I'm also, I'm on the board of an institution called Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, and and that is um, largely online, but there's also modules that men attend to, men attend, and I'm involved, I am an an instructor, I am an overseas instructor. So I did Cuba, I'll be doing Ecuador and Brazil, uh, God willing, in the year to come. Uh, In addition to that, teaching pastoral theology, I have taught what's called symbolics, and that is... um, uh, confessional confessionalism, and, and then I've also taught some exegetical theology, especially the Book of Ephesians. And so, as you're going in there, you're tr- you're trying to give again, right? The, there's a right sense in which, okay, this isn't a Sunday school class, this isn't a sermon given to laymen. There is a higher level to this, but I don't want you to miss the pastoral application and why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. This is tied into your life as a local church. This is to enhance your ability to be able to feed the dear people entrusted to mm-hmm. you. Uh, this is not just an intellectual exercise. This isn't just simply to get a degree. This is These aren't just hoops to jump through. Uh, but these are the things that, having been in ministry and having pastored and having confronted the challenges that come, with trying to preach faithfully in this generation, being able to do what we're qualified called to do, and that is to give sound doctrine and to be able to teach it, you know, so that we're we are fitting what we give in the academy to that ultimate goal and purpose. And so that's what I, I've been striving to do. Yeah. No, I appreciate that, and I think that one of the things that's interesting for for me as I look at God, pastors trained being trained other places around the world is there, there's not as much of a separation that we've been talking about between the institution of the academy and the local church as it is in the United States. Yeah. I, I, think, and I think part of that is because the institutions just aren't as big and right. are, they're, they're aren't there or, or that churches are starting them or that they're being housed in churches. That's right. So yeah, when right. I was in Cuba last mm-hmm. week, 
my training was done. The training I gave to the men was done in a in, a, in literally in a local church yeah. and, and hosted by a local church. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that's one of the answers to that. So I think by just default that a lot around the world, a lot of pastors are being trained by local churches trying to invest heavily in their theological education within their churches, but those churches still are what's driving it. In the United States, the seminary has been largely separated as an institution anyways from the local the local right, church. Right. I think that's true in Britain in some ways too as well. I mean, some different places around the world, but you know, the United States is is I mean, I think probably I mean I would guess is one of the richest, if not the most, that has that has done that. Mm-hmm. So I for the topic today, I want to mention that because I believe a lot of the tensions guys are feeling who go in and go into a bubble of a theological institution and then feel drawn to that, uh, it's I would say it's one of the places that's the greater risk to be detached from the local church if you yeah. don't work hard to be a, to right. be connected to the local church. So, so can I give two can I give two quick cautions yep. here to guys? Yeah, so this is just because uh, we're, we're, we want to wrap up here. So I want to say to a guy who's torn, who's caught between the two, two words of caution. Okay. And, and this is just, again, this is me. I want to say my opinion on, on some of this. It's your podcast, Jim. You don't have to put well, any it's disclaimers your, It's up, your man. podcast. Just, I'm, just I am, say it. I am, your, I am Ed McMahon. You're, you're Johnny Carson. <laughs> uh, only a few of you will get that. Um, so the two things I, 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 I want to say, and the first is that, that as you consider your motives, so why am I caught? Why, why, why am I drawn? Why am I not drawn to the church? And sometimes it, it can be that there is, I'm not saying the academic life is an easy life, but it is devoid of the pains of pastoring. Mm-hmm. And you can look at what a pastor goes through versus what a professor goes through and say, well, I, I would rather be knocking my brains out over a theological thorny issue than over malcontents in a local church yeah. or the pain of people leaving. Yep. And you think to yourself, you know, it, it, it is, it is safer. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and so you're able to, you're still able to serve the Lord. You're able to give, you know, to do that and, and feel you're a handmaiden to the church, but it's devoid the messiness of the church. And, yeah. and, and Hey, there's a lot of reason why guys don't, you know, want to serve the Lord, but not as pastors. Sure. So I think there's that. That's I think, I think, I, but I also want to give, this is a, just a, this is what's going on currently, but this is something that is hitting us. So there is a, there is a population decrease. Right. There are fewer young people. Yep. There are fewer converted young people. Mm-hmm. There are fewer young people attached to the church. Therefore, there are fewer people that are going to be in academic institutions. Mm. Christian colleges are, are are facing a crisis. It's happening already. It's yeah. happening right yeah. now. Ch- Christian church, there are Christian colleges that are on the verge of shutting down because they don't have students. Mm-hmm. Because they, there are not young people, 18 to 20, whatever, that wanna to go to a Christian school. Yeah. Yeah. And so Christian colleges are competing for a shrinking population. And seminary students. And, 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 the, and therefore seminaries. Yeah. And so what, what may look like a, a thriving, safe place, there, you, you, if you wanna, if right now you're saying, well, I wanna be a professor in a seminary, okay, well, understand, I'm going to use a major league illustration. There are, I think, 700 major league positions. That's it. 
Yeah, there are 700 out of a population of 8 billion, you know, and and if you want to take one of those, you either have to knock off somebody who's there or wait for somebody to retire. Yeah. You want to teach at Southern Seminary. Well, Southern Seminary has had some staff decreases, I understand, in the wake of... You know the Certainly COVID, COVID, and, COVID stuff, and other, but, but, did, but for yeah. other, you know, yeah. but you know, th- there are fewer, there are fewer positions. There are right. Um, that's something you have going to have to face realistically. So, so as you are evaluating that you're going to, how are you going to provide for yourself and for your family? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I, I don't want to say to anybody, be self-serving. Well, then you need to go to a church. But I'm, I do want to say, as you're attracted to that academic life. A wise man sees the danger coming. You, you need to look at what's happening in the world, and you need to understand that the potential for you actually being able to fulfill that academic life may not be as certain as you think that it is. Yeah, and nope. just, so just a, word of, just a word of caution as you're drawn to that, something to think through. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying that God won't open a door for you. I'm simply saying there are very few positions. I think there are going to be fewer positions in the coming years. And you need to you need to account for that. So I really appreciate you sharing both those things. In fact, I, I you, you kind of took some of the things I was going to say. I agree with those two cautions definitely, and I would even just reiterate it this way. So uh, before even all this fallout happened, which by the way you articulated really well, everything I'm hearing from just yeah, this the way that the way that Christian institutions are trying to prepare to absorb. The population decrease, the lack of conversions, all the things. I mean, really, the secularization of the culture is kind yeah. of what, what what everybody is trying to brace themselves for and are already in the middle of. So I agree with all of that. Before even that happened, I'm thinking like five, seven years ago, I observed enough just by having enough friends in the academic world that it was really hard already to get a seminary job somewhere. Right. Like really, really hard. Right. Like, like I've had some like brilliant scholars who have been right. friends of mine come through and like apply for a job with with three thousand other applicants. Exactly. Like, it's in, it was as the same when I was Because so many have because of this very tension. Yeah. So many have been caught up in gone to the the They the went kid, to the, the academy, academy yeah. and got caught up with the academy right. and wanted to be like their professors. Yeah. And there are only so many institutions and so many positions. So here's my suggestion. Unless you're one of the really few, like I said, unless you're the guy really gifted to play Major League Baseball. Yeah. You know, uh, my suggestion to you is, you know, nobody's going to be surprised to hear me say this, but if you have any kind of pastoral gifting that God has given you, like find a way to utilize that in a local church somewhere. It may not be as a lead pastor. Right. You know, it might be as a you know the discipleship pastor, you know, an associate pastor of some way, or a lay elder. I don't know, mm. but but like if you have pastoral gifting, that comes from God. That can't be taught. That's one of the main ways to evaluate that calling mm. in First Timothy three. If you have the desire, and what I would suggest, what I'm ex- encouraging guys to do is find a way to serve in the local church. And if you want an occupational ministry, like find a way to serve in the local church. That's most guys who even would aspire to want to teach at a seminary are going to end up probably doing that if they do occupational mm. ministry, then there is a huge, huge need. You and I both see it. A huge need all over the world to train pastors well, to make them sound theologians and know their Bibles. There's ample opportunities all around the world to be able to do that, and they need people. They need people who will go it's halfway around the world to go 
and spend a week or two weeks and go train a pack, right. train guys. We do have done that for years. I would encourage you, like, go find a local church to serve. And you know, do all the education you want. Like, but obviously, you have to have a PhD if you want to teach at a at an and mm-hmm. as an academic institution. So, like, obviously, that's something you have to pursue. But go find and serve a local church. But then use your gifts to teach, think theologically. I mean, to write, use it to to go around the world and train other guys. I think that is the way that most guys who feel torn, like, hey, I really want to be in the academic world, but I also want to serve the local church. I actually think that's a great way to do both, and the the needs are ample in both of those places. Mm. So, any final word, Jim, on this from you? Yeah, I mean, I think well, talk to your pastor. Uh, if, yeah. if you're if if you're this, so I want to say final word. If 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 you're caught between the two, have a conversation, not just with your professors. Have a conversation you're, with your pastor. Pastor, it's good. Secondly, if you're a pastor and sometimes you're frustrated by the thought of uh, of of guys being attracted to the academy and 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 that the professor is far weightier in the life of your student than you are, well, consider what your relationship is, and and if you have the time, invest. Find ways to more fully invest. Uh, one thing I was convicted of last year at the end of my sabbatical was uh, I'm in the I'm in the last lap. So if I have three laps to my ministry, I had my my initial 15 years. I've had my middle years. I, I have maybe 15 more years. 15 years, I'll be 75. Mm-hmm. And so if if that's I hope I hope I'm still able to teach and preach. I'd like to be able to still teach and preach at that time. What do I want to do during that? I've laid a foundation. You know, there's there's other elders in the church. I I have men coming to my church who are uh, wanting some help in this regard. They want mm. to be pastors, yeah. and yeah. I think, what can I do? And I and I'm regularly convicted that I need to spend more time with them individually and even together. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if you have a desire to see faithful men raised up, well, then you need to invest in them. Commit these things to faithful men. You need mm. to you need to be committed. Uh, to doing that and let them see what pastoral ministry is like and, and to embrace your unique role in influencing a rising generation of mm-hmm. pastors. Don't just leave it to the academics. Don't just leave it to the seminary. Mm-hmm. You have to be involved in the lives of these people. That's a great word. My final word on this is one of the great joys of my entire ministry was getting to be the pastor of people who felt a call in the ministry somehow and to get to cultivate that and train them and help them with that and then cheer them on as they got as they learned Greek from Tom Schreiner you know mm. and as they learned systematic theology from these different brilliant minds and I got to cheer them on and go man, invest there like right. you're here some of the best minds in the world to learn this from and so right. to get to be in that position to help guys sort through their calling while knowing that they were getting trained well in this side, that was a yeah. great joy for me. And to get see, send guys out who I knew I had trained how to do ministry and knew they had gotten a really strong theological education. There's a lot of joy in that. So pastors, mm. invest in those those people who feel a call. Amen. Um, so Jim, will you take a minute and pray for yes. guys sorting through this decision? Our Father in heaven, we bring before you uh, those who... Uh, as our friend has said in his his question, who feels caught between the academy and the church, who is wondering what to do. Uh, Father, pray for those uh, like this brother who wrote in. Uh, Father, we pray for churches and pastors who are wrestling with this uh, question about what is their role in 
in training. Father, we do pray that you would give to all uh, those who teach in the academy and those attending the academy and those in churches a, a, a vision for the beauty of the body of Christ and for the promises made to the local church. Uh, Father, we recognize and we talk often about the attendant difficulties, but Father, thank you for the rich privilege of serving uh, in the church for which Jesus shed his blood. We pray in his matchless name. Amen. Amen.